Welcome, everyone, to the Friday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I, of course, am your host, Tyler Crawley, and we got a very special episode today because it's a trifecta. What does that mean? Well, we have housing data, we got mortgage data, and overall economic data to get to. It doesn't happen very often. Usually, it's kind of like one or the other. You get a lot of housing data, or sometimes you get a lot of mortgage data, but to get all three in one episode, that's that's... That's what you hope for. And that's what we're going to be doing today here on the pod. We're going to start with housing data because we got some big numbers from the National Association of Realtors, their monthly look at pending home sales. And in September, they fell 2.3% to 116.7. At least that's what the index is uh, rated at. And their signings were also down 8% when compared to the same time one year ago. And just a reminder that an index of 100 is equal to the level of contract activity that we saw in 2001. So basically anything over 100 is good. So even though we fell and even though we're down from last year, still pretty good at 116. Now regionally, not surprisingly, all four regions saw monthly and yearly declines and the Northeast just keeps getting beat up. They had the worst month and year, according to this data, falling 3.2% to 93.1. So they are under that 100 threshold and looking at year over year data, well, it's even worse. They were down a whopping 18.5%. The South, of course, had the best month relative to everyone else. They were only down 1.8% to an index of 139.1. So kind of different than what's happening in the Northeast. And they were down 5.8% from the same time one year ago. The Midwest saw a monthly decline of 3.5%, but they are still over 100 at 111.4. And they had a 5.8% drop year over year. And the West, well, they're just over 100. They're at 105.3 with a 1.4% drop month to month and a year-to-year drop of 7.2%. So regionally, like I said, across the board, we saw a, a drop. But a lot of this is really main two factors. You have rising mortgage rates, which of course is, you know, maybe might be dissuading some people, but really it's inventory. It's all about inventory. And Lawrence Yun, the chief economist at the National Association of Realtors, noted that the continued low inventory levels could put upward pressure on rents, which will then in turn keep demand for homes strong. It's kind of like this weird cycle that's going to keep happening. Yun said, quote, rents have been mounting solidly of late with falling rental vacancy rates, which could lead to more renters seeking home ownership in order to avoid the rising inflation. So an increase in inventory will be welcomed. And so, yeah, like I said, it's kind of this weird, vicious cycle where there's not a lot of inventory, which means there's not a lot of options. So renters or landlords, I should say, can increase the rent. And then that increasing of the rent convinces people, hey, now's the time to buy. So they then look to buy and they increase demand for homes. And as the demand for homes increases, that keeps the inventory levels low, which of course goes back to the beginning, which means landlords know that there's less, there's fewer options out there and they can raise rents. And it's, you know, it's kind of a weird, vicious cycle. And the solution to it, of course, is to build, is to get more houses out there to help with this low inventory 
situation. That's how you deal with it. Plain and simple. It's the simplest way to fix this. And now, how do you go about creating or encouraging building? That's another discussion. But the solution is you build. Now, the other big number that we got yesterday was for the overall economy. That was GDP growth for the third quarter. It was the first look. I think there's, what, three looks? This is the first look. And let's just say it wasn't good. GDP growth has fallen back to earth with real gross domestic product increasing at an annual clip in the third quarter of just 2%. That's kind of where we've been for the last, what, two decades? At around 2%, we've fallen back to normal times. Now this, coming after two amazing quarters, in the first quarter we saw 6.3% growth, and the second quarter we saw 6.7% growth. So why the pullback? Well, Delta variant, no doubt played a role, but also supply chains are real and it is concerned, or I should say the supply chain concerns are real. Obviously supply chains are real. <laughs> is there any question about that? Like the tooth barrier, supply chains real? The uh, big categories that pulled back hard in Q3 were motor vehicles and parts, which alone, that one category pulled 2.39% out of GDP. That alone. That one category, 2.39%. Residential investment was also down 0.38%. And furnishing and durable household equipment was down 0.22%. So you look right there. I mean, if all of those were positive, or at least just breaking even, zero, then we're seeing much higher GDP growth. Now, on the flip side, the big categories that helped propel the economy was household consumption expenditures that added 3.68% to the economy, followed by private inventories up just over 2%, and transportation services were up 0.67%, and healthcare up 0.62%. Now, if you're wondering about housing and what's happening with residential investment, the pullback in housing investment primarily reflected a decrease in home improvements and new single-family structures. And so we've seen that, right? Mostly because of what's happening with commodity prices, inflation. All of a sudden, all of these costs of doing home improvement or building a house have skyrocketed, and that's putting downward pressure on that entire category. I mean, because obviously the demand's there. We know the demand is there, but we're dealing with not only higher prices, but also can you even find those products. That's probably, I should say, the bigger issue. I mean, I saw something on um, Twitter yesterday where it was a glass it was a glass manufacturer and they're like, yeah, we can't take any more orders for the rest of the year. Like, we're, we're booked up. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not even November and they're like, yeah, we're done. We can't take any more orders. We, we're booked up. I mean, that's glass. And I will tell you from personal experience, my parents, of course, just built a house here locally and there's they're screened in ports they want to glass it in and they're being told it's going to be months <laughs> if they want to get that glass i mean it's just it's nuts and so that is like i said is putting downward pressure on residential investment therefore putting downward pressure on overall gdp now inflation well it stayed elevated according to the q3 data price of goods and services Purchased by U.S. residents increased 5.3% in Q3 after a 5.8% increase in Q2. So a slight decrease, but not much. 
And if you break it down, energy prices jumping the most, 19.3%. Food prices up 7.8%. If you exclude food and energy, we saw a 4.8% jump. Now, Joseph Bruselas said on Twitter, he kind of broke it down saying Q3 slowed to 2%, just above the long run 1.8% growth trend. Personal consumption at 1.6%. GD price index at 0.5 or 5.7%. And core PCE at 4.5%. Slower growth due to Delta supply chain disruptions and inflation extracts a powerful toll on overall growth. And so we have seen some adjustments made. People are saying, hey, the Delta variant seems to be going away. We seem to be coming out of that. We seem to be growing again. But are supply chain issues going to hurt in Q4? And that's what economists are trying to figure out. As we speak, how much that is going to impact things or are we going to have to wait and see more growth in 2022? And then where does it happen? Q1, Q2? We will see. They're trying to figure that out right now. But yeah, that was a disappointing number. No doubt, especially after what? 6.3, 6.72. You told people a year ago that the third quarter of 2021 would would be growing at a 2% clip. Would not have gotten a lot of takers on that bet. Now, speaking of disappointing numbers, and this is kind of disappointing. If you're someone that's looking at buying a house or hoping to refi, mortgage rates continue to move up. I think this is a good thing. I mean, it's good for the market. This is what markets are supposed to do. You know, as things kind of calm down, we are going to see rates rise. As the economy, you know, even you know, we, even though we only saw 2% growth, In the last quarter, we're still moving positively. Rates should be moving up accordingly. And they've now moved up for the third week in a row. This according to Freddie Mac. The 30-year fixed rate jumped five basis points to an average 3.14%, which is 33 basis points higher than the same time one year ago. And the 15-year fixed rate jumped four basis points to 2.37%, which is five basis points higher than the same time one year ago. And if you remember, we just talked on Thursday about the Mortgage Bankers Association, their data on mortgage rates, and their data has the 15-year fixed pretty much at that equilibrium where we were a year ago. So the rate's pretty much flat, like, you know, plus or minus one basis point. But here, the Freddie Mac data, the 15-year fixed is now above that. And it looks like it's going to continue to be that way. So now we have both the 30-year and the 15-year fix at a higher rate than we were one year ago. Sam Cater, chief economist at Freddie Mac, said rates are moving up as consumer confidence rises, saying, quote, the yield in the 10-year Treasury note has been trending up due to the decline in new COVID cases, increasing consumer optimism as well as broadening inflation and persistent shortages. And then the... Other data point that we had yesterday, jobless claims fell for the fourth week in a row. Save the best for last, right? That's that's what we do here. That's That was like the one positive thing. So we got mortgage rates going up, GDP disappointing. We got pending home sales down. But hey, jobless claims, fourth week in a row. They fell to 281,000. That actually beat expectations, a drop of 10,000. And we are now at the lowest level since initial cl- or the lowest level for initial claims since March 14th, 2020. Continuing claims, they dropped by almost 
They dropped by 237,000. We're now looking at 2.24 million continuing claims. That's also the lowest level since March 14th, 2020. And looking at state level data, the states with the biggest drops in initial claims were California, Georgia, Michigan, and Texas. And the states with the biggest drop in continuing claims, kind of similar, some overlap, Georgia, California, D.C., I know it's not a state, but it gets included in the data, Virginia and Florida. So going into the weekend, at least on a positive note. Well, the last story that we talked about was a positive story. (laughs) Some of the other ones, not so much. All right, we got to go. Oh, and by the way, I do want to say not only was it a trifecta episode of the podcast, it's also a special edition because it is not only my birthday, but it's my mom's birthday as well. So uh, it's debatable. I mean, if I'm going to be able to have a show ready, because today I'm going to be out doing birthday stuff uh, with my family. And then, of course, I'm going to carry that over into Saturday. Duh, of course. And then Sunday's Halloween. So <laughs> it's like, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if uh, I'm able to uh, put everything together and get a newsletter and a podcast ready for Monday morning. I don't know. We'll see. I'll be very impressed with myself if I am able to do that. So not making any promises on what will happen on Monday morning. So maybe I'll talk to you Monday morning. If not, definitely on a Tuesday morning, you guys enjoy your Friday, enjoy your weekend. And I'll talk to you when I talk to you. And as always, Do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.